What's up, Compass Church? It's so good to be with you. I can't tell you how honored I am and how excited I am to be your new lead pastor. It was so encouraging, honestly, to talk to Pastor Tim Jacobs a couple weeks ago. Uh, he just was really encouraging as far as coming in, uh, telling me how great of a church this is. I'm really, really excited because the reality is here's the rumor, Compass. I, I don't know if this is true or not. We'll see in the future. Here's the rumor. The rumor is I have yet to meet the best part of Compass Church. And, and the best part of Compass Church is you. And so I am so looking forward to meeting all of you, getting to know you, my wife and I, my family. We're moving out. We're moving up down here, uh, end of July, early August. So really looking forward to being with all of you, being able to just worship and gather together. I'm so looking for those days uh, and those moments that are ahead of us. I also just want to give you a heads up on this new sermon series, Together, Living a Life All Out for, all out for God. And, and the staff has put together uh, questions, uh, what we're calling like dinner table discussions. Think about that, all right? Dinner table discussions. We're going to provide for you guys some simple questions. So, so listen, so within your home, gather together. So if you're single, man, maybe invite a couple friends over. You can do this. You know, you can, you can gather around the dinner table and do this. If, if you have a young family, Pastor Mike's providing questions for young families. We have, we have teenagers we're providing questions for you. And also, this is the new word. This is the word I'm learning around Arizona. You seasoned people. Yes, you fabulous seasoned people, even for you. right? We want you to be, invite people into your home or be able to have discussions, whether it's on Zoom or whether it's on the phone. Just really, really looking forward to this whole series, living life together, doing it together. So excited about what God is going to do. Let me pray before we get into the message. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful how much you love us. Lord, now as we prepare for this time, as we prepare for this message, Lord, soften our hearts. Lord, as we open up the word, I just pray, Lord, that you'll penetrate us, that you'll, that you'll direct us, you'll lead us, you'll teach us, you'll guide us. Uh, Lord, just thank you so much for, for what we're about to experience with you. Thank you so much for the worship already this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'll never forget it. It was, I was about 13 years old. I was celebrating. I was invited to a birthday party of someone who was turning 13. His name was J.V. Schwan. Never forget it. And anyway, so we were invited. Uh, he was turning 13, and then his parents thought creatively to say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to do this birthday party at 13 on Friday night the 13th. Some of you know where I'm going, and it's true. On Friday night, the 13th, and the party was going to be around watching horror movies, yes, called Friday the 13th. All right, so here we were, a bunch of eighth grade boys watching these incredibly scary movies with Jason with a goalie mask chasing after all these people. I remember closing my eyes a couple of times in moments, and here's my question. Like, why in the world, when it comes to, like, horror movies, like, the, the person who's going after everybody, all he does or all she does is walk. Everyone else runs, but they're always ahead of them. They're always in the same place. I don't get that with horror movies. But anyway, so here we were, all gathered together in this family room watching these movies. Like, we were just scared to death after all these movies. And then the plan was set. At 2 a.m., we were going to sneak out of the house, 
and we were going to go through the neighborhood. We would go into the backwoods where there was this house with the rumor was that if you knocked on this guy's house, if you knocked on his door, and if he, like, it was possible that he's going to come out with a gun shooting. And so we were like, let's do this, right? So it was eighth grade boys, right? We sneak out of the house. We go out to this, we go into the woods. We're like, who's going to do it? Who's going to knock on the door? Like, there's this whole moment, right? We knock on the door. We run for our lives. We have no idea what happened. We have no idea if anyone was even home in the house, but we were scared to death. All, anyway, I tell you all this to say this. There is no way I would have ever have done that alone. There's no way I would have woken up at 2 a.m. to sneak out, to go to this guy's house, to knock on his door to see what was going to happen. But together, with somebody, eh, let's go, right? It's like game on. Like there's something within us that when it comes to being together, when it, when it comes to doing something with somebody else, that we get a little more courage. We, we get a little, a little more uh, like risky in all the things that we do. Uh, I remember a, a couple of things, right? Uh, my wife asked me a couple of years ago to run a marathon. No way am I going to run a marathon. Hey, let's run a marathon together. All right, and we did it, right? So we ran a marathon together. Uh, like if someone said to me, hey, let's go sh swim with sharks, I'd be like, ah, but together, all right, I'm in. If my brother who lives out in Kenya, like if he's like, hey, let's walk across the Maasai Mara, I'm in with him. Like there's something about doing something together that just changes it. I mean, think about teenagers as an, and the herd mentality, right? Like wherever one teenager goes, everybody else goes, right? Like, like if, a, if a girl needs to go to the bathroom, like everybody goes to the bathroom. I don't get that. I'm thankful I'm not a girl in that situation, right? But there's this herd mentality that we all kind of have when it comes to being together. Well, what would it look like, church, if we came together to live a life all out for God? What would it look like, Compass Church, if we came together, we lived in such a way that we encouraged one another, we challenged one another, we prayed for one another to live a life all out for God. What if we gained this mob mentality of living a life all out for God? Now, I know when we think of mob mentality, you know, typically our, 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 our minds go to something negative, right? We, we go, we, we, you know, we think of the, the, the protests that, we, that, we've, that we've experienced, or we think of, you know, uh, going into, into a high school where like, there's a mob mentality of making fun of someone. We, we think of negative things, but what if we redeemed the word? What if we redeemed the word to say, what if we had a mob mentality, Compass Church, of living a life all out for God, all out for Jesus Christ? What would the city, how would the city of Phoenix be impacted if we did that? How would, how would the West Valley be impacted if we loved one another well? If we loved our families and loved our neighborhoods and served so well? Like, like what would it look like if, if we just, just gave our lives over to God and surrendered and just, and just loved him passionately? What would that look like? I truly think this, our, our, our families, our neighborhoods, this city, and honestly, this world would change, would be impacted by the way that we would live if we would do it together. What if we gained this mob mentality of living a life all out for God? And what if we did it together? And I truly believe that there is nothing this world needs more 
than to see a church, than to see churches who love Jesus to lift up the name of Jesus in that way, to do it together. I think we need to do it. I think we can do it. Let's, that's what this sermon series is all about. Turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 14 as you open there. Uh, let me give you a little context of where we're going. Let me give you a little context of 1 Samuel chapter 14. So if you read in 1 Samuel chapter 13, you're going to see this. You're going to see the, the reality that the nation of Israel, Saul is king at this time. The nation of Israel is in a massive battle. They're in a massive war against the Philistines. And so the Philistines are in this battle. And, and here's what happens. Israel begins to kind of win a little bit. And then the Philistines raise up their armies. They get 30,000 chariots. They get 6,000 charioters. There's soldiers everywhere throughout the land. And there is fear in the nation of Israel. And this is what happens to the Israelites. Like You can just imagine this. As soon as they see these 30,000 people, right? as soon as they see you know, all these soldiers everywhere, they begin to hide in caves. They begin to hide in the thickets. They begin just to run. They begin to, to get away. And so all of a sudden, fear sets in. And fear begins to lead the way. And that happens to us, doesn't it? How many times fear begins to lead to make us making decisions. And let's be honest with each other. When fear leads the way, in general, we don't make good decisions. When fear is leading the way, we begin to get impatient. We begin to get anxious. We begin to get worried. And one of the major battles, right, that we face consistently is fear. I mean, just think about our daily lives, right? There's the fear of acceptance. Will someone love me, right? Will someone care for me? Will they? There's the fear just of, of vulnerability. I mean, how many times have you been in, you know, in, in a small group together where you've got something going on, you've got a temptation or sin uh, going on, and you know you need to get it out, but you don't get it out because you're, you're afraid to be vulnerable. You're afraid to be accepted. You're afraid of what people will think. We have the fear of the unknown. We, we don't know what's next, and so we have a tendency to be to kind of sit back a little bit. We're, we have fear of precision in the midst of, of provision. I mean, think of COVID-19 and all the dynamics, and all of a sudden, we can begin to live in fear of what's going on. And the reality is, before any mission, before we think of living a life all out for God, there's going to be this, this settlement of fear. There's going to be those things. I mean, think about it. When you invite somebody over to your house for dinner, you invite a neighbor over for dinner. Like, what, what is it? Like, there's a little bit of fear in you, right? Like, what's the conversation going to go? How's that going to go? Is that even going to work? When you want to go share Jesus Christ with somebody, right? There's, there's a little bit of fear in what that looks like. How many times does fear dictate the way that we live? And the reason I bring that to us is I want to bring us to 1 John chapter 4, 16 to 18. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles, 1 John 4, 16 to 18, it says this. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And by this love, perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Do you see what drives out fear? Love. 
God's love for us drives out the fear. When we love others, it drives out fear. So once again, go back to the nation of Israel. Fear is winning the day. Fear is leading the day. They need to begin to experience some form of hope, something. And as we face our fears, love is the thing that casts out. God's love for us casts out the fear. It's all about living together. It's all about our relationship with God. It's all about going dig, digging deeper in our relationship with God, which brings us to this first point. The three ways that we can pursue God together is, number one, we need to dig deeper in our relationship with God. Invest in your relationship with God. Let's see what happens in this incredible story with Jonathan. 1 Samuel chapter, uh, we're going to start at chapter 13, verse 22, and then we'll go on to 14. 1 Samuel chapter 13, 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 22 says, So on the day of the battle, there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people with Saul and Jonathan, but Saul and Jonathan, his son, had them. So, so just think about that. No one has swords or spears. I don't know. Drive brings a little fear to me. I don't know. If I'm going to go into a war without a sword or a spear, you can, you can get it. You know what I'm saying? Jonathan has one. Saul has one. Verse 23. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. So there's fear that set in all across the land. But here's what happens. Here's what this incredibly courageous person does named Jonathan. So one day, Jonathan, the son of Saul said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Mignon. So the people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah, uh, the son of Ichabod, Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in, in Shiloh, wearing an ephod, and the people did not know what, uh, that Jonathan had gone. So here's, here's the scene. So Jonathan knows fear is all over the land. Jonathan says to his armor bearer, hey, let's go. Let's go to the garrison. Let's go to the, let's go to the Philistines. Let's see what happens. So let's see what happens. So within the pass by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on the one side and a rocky crag on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other, Senna. And the one crag rose on the north in front of Michmash, and the other on the south in front of Gibba. So once again, just picture this. There's like two cliffs on, on each side, and Jonathan right, is in the middle. So verse 6, Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of those uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saying by many or by few. You just see this incredible relationship with God right here with Jonathan. You, you see the moment where everybody else is afraid. Jonathan says to his young armor bearer, let's go. Let's go. And look what Jonathan is allowing. Who is Jonathan trusting in? I mean, you see it right in the text. He's going, the Lord can do this. The Lord can win the battle, whether by many or by few. Jonathan, right here, right, he invests, he, he dives deep 
in his relationship with God. He puts himself in this position where God has to come through. He puts himself in a position where he's fully trusting in God to do what's next. It's a position of faith. It's a position of trust. And it's so funny, I think, that when we read the story, right, when we read the story right now, we're like, yeah, Jonathan, go for it, man. Like, God's going to come through with you for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, when we read the story, it's easy for us to be like, yeah, trust God, Jonathan. Live the story. What's it like when we live the story? When we live the story, would we go? Would, would, he, would we be that courageous person who jumps in first, who steps in first? Would we, would we trust, would we invest would we dig deeper and invest in our relationship with God to this point of trusting, to this point of, of moving in, to be able to take that step of trust? Are we, are we willing to dig deeper and invest in our relationship with God and trust him with our time? I mean, how, how many of us are just spending time with God every day? We got so many things to do. We got so many things to catch up on. We got so many things in the business, right? We got so many things going on in relationships. How many of us right, are willing just to, to invest in our relationship with God? You know, I, I need to start every day with the Lord? Are we willing to invest in such a way to, to trust him with our finances? Are we willing to trust God with our vulnerability? Are we willing to trust God with our future? And, and, and having people, I mean, can you imagine how awesome this would be, church? And having people around, like in our families, in our community groups, who are saying, let's trust God. Let's trust him. Let's go for it. Three ways that we could pursue God together. Go is dig deeper. Invest in your relationship with God. And here's the second way that we can pursue God together. Stretch wider by inviting someone to go with you. Are you willing to invite someone to go with you? Look at verse 7 of chapter 14. The word of God says this. And his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. So here's this young guy, this armor bearer, right? And the reality is, I mean, from what I can see in the text, he doesn't have a sword, he doesn't have a spear to go with him, and yet he's saying to Jonathan, heart and soul, I'm with you. I mean, the, I mean, the, I mean this guy is saying, listen, listen, I'm willing to give my life. I'm willing to follow you. I'm willing to go. And, and Jonathan, right, invites this young, young armor bear into this journey that he's on. And this, this armor bear just responds, I'm with you, heart and soul. Like, I love that moment. Like, soak that in. Do we have a friendship like that? Do we have relationships like that? Do we have these, these moments where we're willing to invite somebody in to the mission that we're on? I mean, Compass, if we want to make, make an impact in our neighborhoods, if we want to make an impact in this city, in the valley, we have to invite people in with us. Right? We, we have to have this confidence, this trust in God. To be like, people need God, right? People need to be with us in this journey. Let's invite someone in to go with you. Because we all long for it. We long for relationship. We long for these heart and soul relationships. We, we long for someone to say with us, right? Heart and soul, I'm in with you. 
a couple months ago, uh, I was coming home from uh, work, and, and uh, I was driving a 2002 Nissan Maxima. Uh, we, we name our cars uh, in, this, in the Smith family, and, uh, and so I don't remember what his name was, but it was, an, it was a nice car. I was driving uh, on, the, on the way home, and I was driving on this, this like four-lane highway, right? So there's two lanes going south, two lanes going, going north. And, and I'm in the left-hand lane, once again, coming home from work. It's rush hour traffic in Chicago, so it's mass chaos, and I just want to get home. Like it's, it's, I think it's a Friday afternoon. I'm just like, I just want to go home to be with my family. It was a tough day, ready to get home. So I'm driving in the left-hand lane. And, and let me tell you something. Like A pet peeve of mine is going slow in the left-hand lane. If you want to go slow, shift right. You know what I'm saying? Like Get in that right-hand lane. Don't sit in the left-hand lane. Anyway, driving on that left-hand lane, uh, I'm going in. I'm getting a little bit like, come on, let's start driving. Let's start driving. Let's start moving. And this person like kept pausing and braking. And it's one of those things I was like, this is not going to be good because I'm a little bit, you know, ready to go. So we, we approach this intersection. And all of a sudden, this person, so there's, there's the person who's like slowing and braking. There's another person, and then there's me. And this person, seriously, she's in the left-hand lane. She breaks and stops in the middle of the intersection with a green light. Like, true story. So this guy behind them, right, they, they break. So I'm behind this person. So I'm going, this is not good. I'm, I'm going in an accident. So I kind of shift left a little bit because there's a left-hand turn lane. So I shift left. Right as I shift left, boom, it happens. Now, when you watch an accident happen, it's one thing. When you're actually in the accident, you experience a totally different thing. And this was the first thought that went through my mind. What car did I just hit? What kind of car did I just hit? And I'm going, please, Lord, let it be a Ford Focus. You know? Like, please, Lord, a Toyota Camry. Like, please let this thing be cheap. You know what I'm saying? And sure enough, I look at the car that I hit, and it is the car that goes 185. It is a Maserati. I hit a Maserati. I'm going, are you serious? Like, I don't think I have enough insurance to cover a Maserati. Anyway, long story short, we end up pulling off. Like, and no one was hurt, thankfully. We pull off. I mean, the car wasn't, it was like a huge scratch down the side, but it wasn't like damaged where it couldn't drive. Pull off into a parking lot. We wait for the, wait for the cops. And then all of a sudden, the accident starts like hitting you, right? Like, you start thinking of all, all the dynamics. How are we going to do this? How am I going to pay for this thing? Like, it was a really a tough day. So I call up my wife, and I say, Michelle, I've been in an accident. And... Uh, like it was just, it was a tough day, as I said. So I just kind of got, I just kind of got emotional and I started, I started tearing up. And, and she said to me, I just want you to come home so I can give you a hug. Like that's that heart and soul moment. I committed the accident. I made the mistake. I made the mess. And yet my wife was willing to say, hey, I just want to give you a hug. 
Like, we need this. We need to stretch wider. We need to invite someone in. We need to pursue God together. We need to go deeper. It's what God is asking of us. It's what we need. It's what the city of Phoenix needs to see. We need to invite people on this journey with us. Three ways we can pursue God together. Dig deeper. Invest in your relationship with God. Stretch wider. Invite someone with you. And go farther. Be on mission. Church, we have to be on mission. You realize Matthew 28, 28 as Jesus right, ascended, he said, listen, make disciples. Make disciples, baptize them. Teach them to obey. We're on a mission. We're on a mission for Jesus. We're on a mission to give our lives for the kingdom of God. So look what happens in this mission that Jonathan and the armor bearer are on. Let's see what the scripture says. So 1 Samuel chapter 14, uh, starting at verse 8. It says, then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over uh, to the men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and we will not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up. For the Lord has given them into our hand and this shall be the sign to us. I mean, what courage right here, right? I mean, Jonathan is saying, listen, you know what I mean? If God says, like, if they say this, let's go. God's done it. Here we go, verse 11. So both of them uh, showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. Can you imagine that moment? Like, hello. You know, like, what a moment. And the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have, where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us. We will show you, we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. And then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed them after him. And that first strike, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, killed about 20 men uh, within, as it were, half a furrow's length in an acre of land. And there was a panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people in the garrison, even the raiders trembled in the earthquake, and it became a very great panic. Like, do you see what happens in the midst of this? All of a sudden, Jonathan, all of a sudden, God shows up, right? And there's panic, and there's struggle, and there's all this battle. But I want to end with verses 22 to 23, because look at the contagiousness of it. Verses 22 to 23 says this, Likewise, when all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed beyond Bethaven. Do you see what happens? Like As Jonathan and armor bearers step up, they step in, God right, wins the victory. All of a sudden, the nation of Israel hears about it, and they join the battle. We got to be on mission. We got to go together. We got to go farther. We got to be on this mission that God has given to us. We, we've got to be first. We've got to be willing to step in. We've got to be willing to trust first. What if we gain this mob mentality of living a life all out for God? Imagine the impact. Imagine the ripple effect that we could have throughout the valley. Encompass, what if we come together? What if we choose? What if we decide to live a life all out for God? I think our families would change. 
I think our families would be impacted. The neighborhoods, the valley, and the world. We can do so much more together than we can do alone. Relationship matters. I want to end my message this morning by going to one of my favorite movies, Lord of the Rings. And uh, there's a moment in this movie that I just, I just love. Frodo, right? They're on a mission. Frodo is carrying this ring, right? And he's got to take this ring to Mordor to destroy the ring. And he comes to this point. I'll never forget this part of the movie. He comes to this point in the movie where he realizes that for him to be on this mission, to carry the ring, is going to lead to danger for everybody else. It's going to lead to to potential death. It's going to lead to like these dangerous moments. And so Frodo, in this, in this moment, in this panic, says, you know what? There's no way. I got to go about this alone. I got to go about this alone. As you watch this video, I want you to think about this. Some of you are saying, you know what? I got to go about this alone. I got to go about COVID-19 alone. I got to go about this provision financially alone. I got to go about my life alone. I'm in too much of a trouble. Look what happens in this video clip with Frodo. Look what happens with his friend Sam Wine coming to follow him. Let's watch the video. Samwise Gamgee. And I don't mean to. I don't mean to. Oh, Sam. When we all need a Sam. Some of us feel like Frodo right now. We're out in this boat, feeling so alone. And we need someone to dive in. We need someone to come after us. We need someone who's willing to to sacrifice, to come after us. Some of you, that's where you're at. Compass. We have, like, let's be a church. Let's continue to be a church that goes after people, 
that loves people so, so well. But there's a second point in this video that I want to make sure that it's clear. Because the reality of, of it is all of us are like Sam Wise Gamgee. All of us are in the midst of water, right? We're in the midst of this drowning moment. We're in the midst of a life and death moment. And I want you to know, I want you to realize this morning that maybe you're in that moment. Let me tell you something. You have one who loves you more. Jesus Christ has reached down into that water and he grabs your hand and he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And we know this. We know his love so much because he gave himself up for us. He went to that cross. He died on that cross. Three days later, he rose from the grave to prove that he is the only way and the truth and the life. And people, as we're drowning in the midst of life, as we're in these points, maybe you're listening in for the first time. Maybe you're not even part of Compass. If you're listening in, you need to know as you're drowning, Jesus Christ reaches down and grabs hold of you and brings you back and gives you life. Will you trust him? Will you go deeper? Will you dig deeper? Will you invest and give your life to Jesus? I pray that you will. I pray, Compass Church, that we will be a church that lifts up the name of Jesus throughout the valley so more and more people can come to know and trust in Jesus and live this incredible life of forgiveness, this incredible life of grace, this incredible life of joy that we get to have in this lifetime and the next. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for what you're doing in this church. Lord, honestly, we give ourselves to you. Lord, I, we, we give this church to you. Lord, may we be a, a beacon of hope. May we be people that our heart and soul live in life together. Lord, may we be lifting up the name of Jesus everywhere we go. Lord Jesus, that this week around the dinner table as we discuss this message, as we discuss the questions that are provided through the staff of, of Compass, Lord, I pray that we will dig deeper, that we'll invest in. Lord, thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.